Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I feel like it's just all outrage these days. It's just review bombing, angry tirades. Uh, We're not talking about the Little Mermaid. We can't do it. We're staying away from it. (laughs) Nope. I am not touching that. Mm, uh, Oh, boy. It's... But you know, if I'm going to say one thing about it, no, I'm just no, kidding. No, I'm go just kidding. Go I'm not gonna, no, go ahead. I know you have one thing to no. say. I know you no, have one thing to n- say. No, I have zero I, things to say about yeah. it. Yeah? Mm. Yeah, I have zero things. All right. All right. Absolutely He's got nothing to say, folks. He's got nothing mm. to say. For once in my life. <laughs> Actually, that's most of my life. Well, in that case, if I can't bait you into a culture war, <laughs> I guess we should just get into it then, right? <laughs> I mean, we can, we, 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 I mean. What, what? How do you feel about the monarchy? <laughs> the monarchy? Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I mean, <laughs> the whole thing with Queen Elizabeth II that I find really amusing, actually, is how... Oh, he's got a hot take. People are trying great. to decide how sad they are. <laughs> you know, they're trying to modulate that where they're like, oh, she was an icon, so I guess I, I, guess I can't celebrate the fact that she's finally dead, but at the same time, like, how sad do I really want to be, you know? I mean... I feel like everybody just watched The Crown, so all the, like, Diana stuff mm. is fresh, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, what a terrible and crazy figure that woman was. <laughs> Clearly a nightmare to be around for any, like, members of her family. And then you got the whole Meghan Markle thing. So I just, I find it very interesting Ooh, yeah. to see people trying to, like, modulate and parse their response to a person's death who they really have no emotional no connection, connection to. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have I talked to you? I'm switching gears mm, here. Mm, yeah. Have I talked to you about industry? No, no. You've only made me aware of how terrible the uh, promotional materials are for it. I have no idea what it is about this show 
that makes me hate watch it. Ooh, it's one of those. Yeah. It is one of those. Now I'm curious. Like, I think, yeah. like, Ken Leung, I think that's his last name. I think he, he... Yeah, yeah, from that one episode of The Sopranos. Yes, and then I believe also he was on Lost. Like, yeah, he's a yeah, yeah, journeyman yeah. actor. He was on Lost. Yeah, great. I think his performance in that show, fantastic. His one episode of The Sopranos, man, unbelievable. Yeah. God. The problem with that show is that it takes itself, I think, too seriously. Like, if you're going to watch Succession, that show is very aware of what it is doing and how unscrupled the material is that they are, like, navigating and tangling with. And they're aware that it has to be fun. Exactly. They're aware that this has to be fun. It has to be silly. It has to be more about the people. Mm -hmm. Whereas industry is more about how much money can we make and how can we avoid losing any money at all at the at like any cost necessary i will pay any price to like not further lose money even if it means selling my soul and i feel like the show i don't i don't i don't know the intent of the creators but i feel like they glamorize it and that i think is where i have like the problem with that show oh okay Mm-hmm. So the irony is they're trying to be more of a polemic and they probably end up making it look better. Yeah, I think they end up making it look thrilling, but it's just kind of like, no, nah, actually, you just made way more money for an Elon Musk type. You've just made more money for this specific person. You're a slave to this type of system. And I don't really know if the show is aware of that. Mm. Um yeah, and so I think that that's the problem, whereas like other shows that are dealing with folks who are dealing with wealth and have a lot of wealth seem to have that understanding about the general, like the characters that they're working with. Yeah, I mean, on Succession, it's the definition mm-hmm. of old money. It's not anybody mm-hmm. making money. It's people yeah. who are ensconced in, you know, in massive money. wealth and mm-hmm. how they just hold on to that to the detriment of everyone else. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Also, industry does have terrible promotional materials. <laughs> that poster was wild. That, that poster that had is like the 10 wor- different eyelines in it. <laughs> see? Yeah. See? It bothers me. Like, it bothered me so much when I saw that. I was like, who is looking at whom <laughs> and to what end? Right. What is happening here? And there are like three different groups of people, and two of them are in two different kinds of comedies, and then the leads up front are in a very serious drama. That's exactly so it what it is. It looks like everyone's just like clowning on them behind their backs. Yeah, very weird. I hate it. I hate <laughs> okay. that show. I might have to watch an episode or two. You should. Just to see what the fuss is about, right? You should. <laughs> literally no one's the talking about it. It's literally, except for me. Yeah, yeah, it's just... <laughs> It's just me. It's just a bee in Phil's bonnet, so. It really see. is. All right. Oh, boy, I have problems. Yeah. Are we going to get into this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Goat Season. We are so happy to have you with us. This is a podcast about the greatest individual seasons of television of all time, their most memorable episodes, and their creative teams both in front of and behind the camera. I'm Phil Mitchell, and along with me is my co-host, the one and only Mr. Alex Sinesi. What up? How's it going, man? I'm doing all right, man. I'm I'm uh, having a bit of a crazy week, but it's all good. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to the point where things are starting to smooth out. I'm starting to get to this new normal, and you know, mm-hmm. feels great. Feels great. Can I ask you mm-hmm. uh, one question? Yeah, go for it. 
how does it feel to be back in an adult state? It feels good, man. Yeah. I just finished setting up all of my Blu-rays and my action figures and comic books and, you know, Great. buying a few new ones. So uh, I'm really, I'm feeling like an adult. I'm feeling like a big boy. And uh, there you go. Yeah, it's good. Oh, that's so fantastic. I know. I'm back in the state that has a full selection of the comic books that I want to read. So yes. I'm mm-hmm. really feeling my adulthood reinforced exactly. here. <laughs> Just feeling yourself, right? <laughs> Might try out a new cartoon or two, you know, got some anime on repeat here. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so glad for you. I'm so yeah, happy thanks, for bro. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, did you hear about there's a new Star Wars show, man? This one, this one looks really like realistic and gritty. Oh, it's like a war movie, dude. They're like drafting off of Rogue One. Oh, man. You know, I'm seeing stuff like that, too. I just feel like, ah, yes confirmed for adulthood you know yes Mm -hmm. when you watch it you get older you age as you watch it i'm terrible so today is an interesting episode of goat season today we will see yes we'll see today we are talking about the movie Cowboy Bebop, not the TV show. No one's ever called it that. The movie the Cowboy movie, Bebop. The movie Cowboy Bebop, yeah. It's Cowboy mm-hmm. Bebop, colon, the movie. No, 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 or no. Or no. Cowboy Bebop knocking on heaven's door. It's not the movie Cowboy Bebop. I've called it the movie Cowboy Bebop, and that's what it is right now. <laughs> Who done. would actually do that? Like, I like it, though. A film adaptation of a TV series, and it's the movie. The Cowboy movie Cowboy Bebop. The show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so today we're talking about Cowboy Bebop, the movie. Um, which is just sort of, it, it feels like an expansion pack. Mm. I have thoughts about it. I do too. I have some hot takes. I mean, I think we've dispensed with our takes on the show. Oh, absolutely. Well, right? I think we have definitely excavated yeah. and explored those quite thoroughly. Yeah. Um, however, the movie itself. And I don't think the movie changes my takes about the show at all. Mm-mm. I think my feelings about the show stay quite consistent. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But the movie stands apart. In a weird way. It stands apart in a weird way because what I would say is like the movie I think was kind of designed to just slot right into the show very neatly and be part of the chronology and not change too much. It's just a long episode that wasn't there before. And yet it feels very separate, doesn't it? It does. And all right. Do we want to talk about what happens or just like how we felt about it? No, no, let's let's do feelings first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here we go. Mm. We talked about The Many Saints of Newark mm. a couple of, several episodes ago. <laughs> a couple of months ago. A couple yes, of that's lifetimes. Right. Yeah, I almost maybe said months. Maybe half a year ago. Maybe an entire lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. I might say this. I think that Many Saints and what it was trying to accomplish, I think it's a better addition to the sopranos than cowboy bebop is to the tv show yep Mm -hmm. because like many saints of newark is not good it's it's not not a good addition it's not to the sopranos and you dislike the cowboy bebop that much more i think so yeah Mm -hmm. wow i just called it the cowboy bebop which is an even more mutated thing to call this it's That's not the, the movie cut. Cowboy Bebop. Now it's just it's the, the Cowboy Bebop. It's just God. the Cowboy. All right. It's just the Bebop. <laughs> I don't know. So I I wow. watched I watched Coming the movie. <sighs> yeah. These are the things that I love about it. I love the music. I think Kano's score again amazing. Mm. I think the animation yeah. fantastic. It's just incredibly dynamic. There's scenes panoramas that you haven't seen before in that TV show that I think are beautiful. 
And again, the performances from the actors, I think, are outstanding, um, especially like that core cast that we already knew. I think my problem with it is that it feels like Cowboy Bebop set in New York City with a villain who isn't too far off from Vicious. And it feels like it's so large in its scope. I think that what they tried to do is like, okay, let's have the four characters that we know and love, like basically save the world. And I, I, for me, that just doesn't work. Like to me, the show was always about like small scale enterprises or small scale adventures where essentially nothing mattered. Mm -hmm. You know, if we got this bounty, cool. Like we got to eat something other than bell peppers and beef. If we didn't, then we just starved again. And this one put stakes on top of the characters that I didn't necessarily appreciate and didn't feel like it was similar to or fit with like the themes of the of the show itself. Does that make sense? You following me there? Yeah. I have my own set of problems with the Cowboy Bebop movie. I wouldn't go so far as to say I think it's worse than like the many Saints of Newark. I think that's, that's absolutely that's fine. I think that's absolutely take. fine. <laughs> but I'm bringing it. I, I found that my issues with it were more on a production side. Mm. I think that the themes and what are what is explored here could have been fine in a Cowboy Bebop two-parter. I don't think it's that far afield, even though I, I hear what you're saying as far as there being an increased sense of danger, but they definitely did episodes where the bounty was going to wipe out sure. the particular planet they were sure. on or do something large scale, more major. My problem, I think, is just that this movie is two hours long. That means it is as long as five episodes of the show, a full fifth of the series. Mm-hmm. And it really, it's an episode plot yep. stretched out to that time. Exactly. I think even if it was just cut down to, like, 90 minutes, it would feel a lot stronger. I mean, Mm -hmm. what I was struck by is that this production was, it was essentially the very first movie produced by this new animation studio called Bones that was made up of ex-Sunrise employees. One of the founders is the guy who did the character designs for Cowboy Bebop. Mm -hmm. Let me pull up his name. Yeah, uh, Toshihiro Kawamoto. He did the designs for Cowboy Bebop, and he was an animation director on the series, and he was one of the founders of Bones. And looking at the movie, especially the first half of the movie, I really felt like this almost feels like a demo reel for a new animation studio showing off what they can do. What they can do. Mm -hmm. And it oftentimes meant that shots kind of went on longer than they needed to. There was a particular moment where Faye is in the middle of a foot chase with this hacker, Lee Sampson, and she stops to pick up his hat when he runs away. And it's this very detailed, very like fluid, elegant shot of her hand reaching down to pick up the hat from the sidewalk that is showing off animation, but that doesn't fit with the tempo of the scene at all. Mm -hmm. And I think about how on Cowboy Bebop, moments would be so so fast and you would get such beautiful animation in such a quick burst and also the storytelling felt so compressed yeah and in the same way that this movie is the length of five episodes i feel like in the movie oftentimes something that would take one minute in the show takes five minutes here it feels longer in a way that's a bit airless and uh 
you know, I love Watanabe as a director so much. And I think there's so many beautiful moments of animation that he directs here. But I miss the crispness of one visual moment just leading into the next so perfectly. Yeah, it, it just feels like you said it. it it's separate from the show and perhaps in a way that I just don't like appreciate. Like, I think there's other people who are fans who probably really enjoyed it. I probably am in the, I assume the minority who probably didn't. I don't know what the general consensus is on, you know, whether or not this was a, a welcomed addition to the canon. I think people like it just because it's more and mm-hmm. it doesn't step on the toes. Of- yeah. Yeah, the plot of the show at all. It doesn't try to like reboot the show after the show's very definitive ending. Yeah. Something that I've never done and that I kind of wanted to do this time, but I just honestly ran out of time is I'd love to watch the series and watch the movie at the place in its chronology it's supposed to go because it's supposed to happen directly between sessions five and six. It happens between Cowboy Funk and Brain Scratch. Because Andy actually appears in the movie in his samurai outfit. So it's definitely after Cowboy Funk, but okay. it's before Big Shot is canceled in oh, Brain that's right. So they that's right. specifically did that so that it's like you knew the exact point in the series that this mm-hmm. fell. But I think that to do that, it would still stick out like a sore thumb because... The animation style is very different. The pacing is very different. I think you're right that to a certain extent, the storytelling methods feel different from the series a Mm -hmm. little bit. And I think even if you wedged it in there at that particular point and just treated it as an extra long episode in your rewatch of the show, I don't think it would mesh very well. Yeah. You know? Another example for me is the, um, the opening titles, which are brand new and they're not directed by Watanabe. Right. With a completely different score. It's not Tank. No, it's a a brand new song. It's Ask DNA and it was directed by this guy, uh, Hiroyuki Okiura, who had just done Jinro the Wolf Brigade, Mm. which is kind of like Ghost in the Shell, but sort of more like hard military sci-fi combined with like a fairly like political anime that was about very realistic characters who are in this sort of like dystopian future and in the same way as that the opening titles of the new cowboy bebop they're just set in modern day they very much look like they're portraying real people on the street in a very documentary style and it feels very very different yeah yeah what you see in the series or in the rest of the movie frankly and it doesn't have the energy of tank no it kind of made me wish watching it that they had just recreated the opening credits of the show yeah that they had just put tank in the movie again Mm -hmm. because you do miss that burst of energy you miss that sort of emotional reset that tank gives you in every episode the cool thing about the show as i said as we were talking about each of the sessions was the world building and how Mm -hmm. awesome it was and yeah. How you got to, you know, see all of these places and go to all of these different locales. And, you know, they, they chose not to do that, which, again, is like a it's a narrative choice. It's just not the one that I would have taken. Like, if you're going to spend two hours with these characters again, why put them in the same location for those full two hours? Like, why leave them in the same spot for so long when you could go be doing so much other stuff? Yeah, they could have visited five different planets in that time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I hear you. But it really is just a one episode plot. Yeah, right. Yeah, stretched yeah. out over two hours. So yeah, yeah. And again, this is not me trying to like dunk on it too hard. It's just it just kind of it left me a little underwhelmed. 
I don't think it holds up as well as the show either. I, I gotta admit. And uh, I don't know, man. I this is really sacrilege to say, oh, but boy. I don't think the music in the movie holds up as well as the music in the TV show. I could see that. I think that some of the songs here feel much more of their time. They feel much more like late 90s jams where I think the music on the series was a little more timeless, Mm -hmm. honestly. And I don't mind any of them specifically, but it's also like part of it, I guess, is sort of the energy problem we're talking Mm -hmm. about where everything feels a little decompressed and it doesn't have that propulsiveness to it mm-hmm. and so the tone of the music is a little is a little off i don't know it's like these songs just aren't as uh punchy yeah or memorable. yeah yeah they're not as memorable and so what did you think about because we talked about how 9-11 influenced the structure of how some of the episodes were released mm-hmm. what did you think about the use of terrorism in the show excuse me in the movie yeah well you know the bizarre thing is uh this movie came out in japan right before 9-11 uh-huh so even though it came out it came out in the u.s in 2002 because it used to take that long to like get the rights to things and prep dubs and things like that but it was made before that but yeah i remember when this came out it felt like it was so directly commenting on yeah the atmosphere of the time and i do think maybe you feel the same and you're kind of teeing this up but I, my feeling was it did give it a certain real world heaviness that again like just sort of changed the energy of it a little bit yeah i think also for me watching it and i did not know that it was that didn't hit the u.s until uh, 2002 but i think having such a strong focus on you know a terrorist who is going to use you know, the water supply to, you know, disseminate this, uh, not the toxin, it was a, what, bioweapon. It was a bio, a nano, yeah, nanotechnology, thank you. Um, Using that, it felt like it made the universe smaller in an odd way. Like, okay, this is so familiar to what I've experienced as a person, whether it is like anthrax scares or ricin or just, you know, hearing about terrorism. Yeah, it fe- it very much put some boundaries or some parameters around a show that to me felt very, very expansive beforehand. I could see that, man. I, I really could. I guess part of it, too, is like I definitely saw the appeal of a character like Vincent where Watanabe wanted to go back and create even more backstory about the Titan War mm-hmm. and how messed up people got over there and how that is something that everyone's still sort of living in. To an extent, he was kind of a missed opportunity, though, looking at it now, because I'm like, he's so obviously psychotic and wants to destroy the world. And I think those two choices are not particularly interesting. No. If he was more of an ideologue, if he was someone who had a righteous anger about what happened to him over there mm-hmm. and was taking that out on people... I think I would appreciate him a little more. As is, he's like a character who doesn't really even know if he still exists in the real world anymore. He's detached from reality and murdering people is kind of meaningless to him. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that maybe wasn't the strongest choice. Because on the other hand, I really like Elektra. I think Elektra is a really strong addition, a really interesting new character. I like that she has this tragic romance she's trying to shake with vincent and i like that she and spike immediately 
just hit it off. They're immediately horny for each other. And that was cool to see. And I liked the dynamic there. I thought that was good for both of their characters, honestly. Yeah. The English voice actress who plays Electra is really good, too. It's uh, Jennifer Hale, who's done, like, a million anime and video games. She's the female version of Commander Shepard in oh, okay. the Mass Effect in games. The Mass Effect, you play yeah. Those. Mm-hmm. I... I'm a diehard only Femme Shep. Like, I will never play <laughs> with Male Shepard. He looks so fucking goofy to oh, me. Yeah, he he does. looks like Matthew Fox, but he just has this kind of 1950s sci fi base captain delivery, and it's so unintentionally funny to me. But she fucking rocks it. She's incredible in that role. Uh, and I think she's awesome as Electra, too. Yeah. Definitely my favorite new character they added. <laughs> Yeah. So do we want to do the plot or did you like you were going to say something else? No, I mean, we can go ahead and just kind of do. I mean, the plot is it's a simple plot, though. Very like, simple. There's not really even too much to say about it. It's essentially Vincent is planning on using nanotechnology, putting it, introducing it into the largest metropolitan city on Mars. And the Bebop crew realizes that he is a bounty that they can catch. Spike goes after him. He fails. Faye goes after him, fails. They link up with Electra, um, who is essentially Vincent's former lover. And she also is working. She's working for that corporation that actually created the nanotechnology. I guess she sort of feels like responsible to him. And so I feel like that's essentially the plot. I, I don't really even think that there's too much else more that you could possibly say about it. Except that like, yeah, you know, it kind of all comes to a head with the Bebop crew coming together using kind of like the resources or like the community at hand, such as like the the three bums, the three old guys who are just <laughs> kind of retired, using them as pilots to like disperse a vaccine so that no one is harmed and essentially saving the day. And eventually like Vincent is killed by his former lover. And that's the end of the movie. Um, yeah, it, to me, it's very straightforward. Yeah, it really is a very simple plot that you could imagine Cowboy Bebop telling in 22 minutes, 22 minutes or in a two-parter at mm-hmm. the very most honestly the main difference is just that you get these extended action sequences that are really really beautifully animated and dynamic i mean those are those are the highlights to yeah. me for sure because as far as the characters go you get some good stuff with spike you get him being a little more introspective and i i like his interactions with electra but uh Otherwise, I mean, Jet has nothing to do in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed has nothing to nothing do. I to mean, do she's doing her exposition hacking stuff, yeah. but it's like very minimal and she really doesn't get a chance to like do anything else in the plot. Mm-hmm. And Faye is probably the worst treated out of any of the characters in this movie. <sighs> I mean, oh she has to deal with being kidnapped by Vincent. Yeah. Essentially like sexually assaulted yeah. by him. Did not if like not, that. straight up than as close to it as they can get Mm -hmm. and uh then she has a very like token oh go here and do this one thing so the plan won't fail in the finale that doesn't connect her with the other characters and really doesn't make her feel like she was ever a part of the story and that really bummed me out yeah Yeah. i i definitely like i had a very strong reaction to the use of sexual violence in the the movie and i think that that definitely rubbed me the wrong way and and frankly like i'm just tired of seeing it in film and in media because i think that it's it's a cheap plot point to use um at this point like can we just like please put this to bed yeah and especially in this it has no 
connection to an emotional arc for her or yeah. anything else. So it just kind of feels like some fetishy shit that yeah. you would see in a more grindhouse anime. Exactly. It felt like something out of Ninja Scroll. Mm-hmm. One of those fairly like grody early 90s anime. Yeah. That, yeah. that to me is definitely a, a regression yeah. from her role in the series and, and the stories that the series chose to tell. Yeah. And frankly, the character did more things. Like, her character had way more things to do in the show than she ever does in the movie. So I felt like Jet had nothing to do. But then Mm. also, I think he said the most interesting thing when he's commenting about how everyone just comes and then leaves and then comes back. And I don't even know if anyone... Essentially, the point is that he's getting is that just like, is this even a family or not? Which is, I think, a great lead-in to the final four episodes. And I wish that they had focused more on these four people and their dog being a family or not choosing to be a family because I think that that is the appropriate theme to like follow through and like sort of eventually conclude by the show's end. Yeah, I guess to talk about what we like a little bit, the convenience store robbery at the beginning oh, it's is great. one of my favorite scenes in all of Cowboy Bebop. It's so I gotta good. say. For one thing, I love it because I love... 80s action movies you've seen a million variations on this where you have the hyper violent convenience store robbers who are armed to the teeth who are ready to murder anyone at the drop of a hat for presumably less than two hundred dollars in the cash register and then you have your heroes who come in like absolute wrecking balls mm-hmm. like uh, a couple of Miley Cyruses busting in here and causing massive property damage all <laughs> kinds of gun violence and uh, in the end you know they uh, wash their hands of it and move on yeah. um, you know everything from fucking Cobra to various Steven Seagal movies it's such a staple and yet I think Cowboy Bebop does the best one I have ever seen in this movie. I think it is so imaginative. I think Watanabe is just showing off like I can take a kind of tired premise and make it so exciting yeah make it interesting lots of little moments in it i love the head robber who is clearly this frustrated intellectual who's been fired by his company and is on this anti-capitalist screed when he gets the automatic coffee poured on his face it's so good so many incredible little moments you know the guy who took too long taking a shit i love how amoral and shitty spike is yes about the whole that's situation. my favorite part of that scene oh just when he comes yeah. in he's like well i guess this old woman is just gonna have to die but uh right. money uh yeah i'm yeah. down with that yeah he's like we're not the cops we don't have some obligation to like reset the scales of justice exactly. you know mm-hmm. you pick the wrong person to pull on their heartstrings uh yeah and it's great and the animation is just amazing the whole way through so, yeah, I, I love that sequence. And that sequence really, it resets you to the tone of the show. If you had never seen the series, it kind of just gives you a, a quick feeling of, oh, this is what this is about. Yeah, it's it's one of those scenes where after you watch that, you're really excited. And then uh, things really slow down after yeah, that. Yeah, they do. I gotta be honest. They do. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. That scene is, I think, if not, it's probably the best scene in the entire movie. Yeah. The animation at the other end, at the very end of the film, where Spike mm. is being chased, they have that huge like dogfight sequence. Like oh, yeah. that also is pretty breathtaking. 
I like watched that through a couple of times because I was so impressed with the animation and like the use of space. It's so it's beautiful. so beautiful. Yeah. Um, loved every moment of that. Outside of that, there's some wonderful looking vistas, yeah. but I I can't really remember any other like memorable scene. Well, I really like the scene on the tram as well. That's another good that's one. That's fair. That's fair. A really, really excellent scene. The use of color there where you have like the red tram and the extremely blue ocean beneath and sky and the way that their guns are like shattering the windows of the tram mm-hmm. and the way that they're moving through the cars. It's just, it's exemplary action direction again. That is well done. It's a yeah. really good sequence and they uh, they have Spike get shot and fall out of a window again. Again, and, uh, right? Like, and see, okay, so that was the back. other thing. Yeah, and that was yeah, the other thing. Yeah. I was like, come on, man. Like, we literally... We just saw this, man. Right. We just saw this. And then they do it again in Samurai Shampoo, too. (laughs) They do the exact same sequence a third time. So Hanabe really loves that. He loves defenestration by gunfire. (laughs) He does. He's really into it. That's just like a fixation for him is watching people fall out of windows. It's his kink. Uh Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today great i really like i mean the eiffel tower fight at the end is another amazing piece of choreography mm-hmm. it's uh so well put together and uh again like the use of color is is so good there's a really great japanese poster for the movie that's vincent and spike and electra with the eiffel tower behind them mm-hmm. that's so much better than the american poster and it's like that's the knocking on heaven's door poster and then we get cowboy bebop the movie and it's just some like photoshopped garbage with like a lazy gradient Mm -hmm. behind it it's just one of those cases where you know it's like ah you you had exactly what you needed right there what did you okay so vincent Yeah. yeah i don't think particularly like compelling i i think it was like we were saying i i agree with you he kind of feels like a knockoff vicious and i also wish that he wasn't so crazy because then mm-hmm. i think he would be a more interesting character if mm-hmm. he had some sort of uh if he had some sort of a calling or some sort of a righteous uh, some type of cause right indignation mm-hmm. that he was pouring into doing something terrible and uh honestly i mean i think the english voice actor who plays him who is the same guy who played cowboy andy in the show actually. oh really yeah oh, i love that though very I love strange that. I love yeah that. i kind of love that <laughs> That's yeah impressive. give me some more yo what if the movie was just them and cowboy andy 
I would <laughs> watch that for days. Yes, I would watch that for days. <laughs> yeah, for, and yeah, maybe no, 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 not even him just being a terrorist, but him just being a clueless loser yeah. on a horse, right? Like that yeah. would have been interesting. Yeah, <laughs> adventures with Andy. I think they pushed really hard to be like, oh, he's going to be really gravelly voiced and scary. And I think when when I was younger and I'd seen this movie, I liked him more because I liked that sort of philosophical edge he has. He kind of has the soul of a poet. But now I look at it and I'm like, yeah, but they don't really do anything with it. And in mm-hmm. the end, he's like a madman who wants to destroy the world. And that's like the least interesting motivation he could possibly have especially in a show like bebop where i'm about to say something the villains are always so so interesting yeah they are so interesting and let's just be honest i think vincent is the david foster wallace of villains you think he doesn't really have that much to say (laughs) you think it's all it's all formalism it's all empty prose with him i'm just gonna leave that out there i'm just gonna i'm just gonna toss that out there into the ether sure sure (laughs) who is the e cummings of villains Let's figure that one out next. Who doesn't use punctuation, you know? Uh, it's clearly Perolifu. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Of course. Of course. Do you think that guy even knows what punctuation is? I don't think he does. No, he doesn't. Oh, he man. He has lost that. That's your favorite episode. You love it. Bruh, you are wild on that one. <laughs> that is a beloved classic episode of a show, and you're like, oh, yeah, 20 out of 26. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> Just wiping your butt on that amazing piece of animation. It's fine. Whatever. All right. Okay. I mean, it is good. It is good. But yeah, so that's it. It's like what I took away from it mostly is just, God, I love this animation. And there were fixed moments where I was really, really enjoying it. Those sequences. And I actually... I, I actually like the scene where Spike is like recovering from his injuries and he's being vulnerable for once uh, with that fairly cringy Native American character. But yeah. Spike's side of that scene, I really like. And then I really like his scene in the jail with Elektra, too. I was yeah. like, oh, these are the yeah. slower moments of the movie that I actually enjoy really appreciated. But yeah, but I think I think it was more that I realized how much fat there was in the opening hour mm-hmm. of the movie. Like there's almost 40 minutes before yes. Spike first encounters Electra before they have that fight. That needed to happen way yeah, sooner. Yeah. So that know? took me cuz I think I had it had been a long time since I'd seen this. Yeah. And so I I barely remembered any and I remember like maybe half an hour to 45 minutes in being like what is happening here and like right. when is this story going to actually take off? And then it starts to take off and you feel some momentum and you look and you're like but we have another hour, hour to, to go. go. Yeah. And, and this seems yeah. like it could be resolved fairly quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I will say I have a lot of residual goodwill for the movie because the first time I saw it was actually in a movie theater. Oh, that's cool. They played it at the Narrow in Norfolk, oh, Virginia. Oh, yeah. Which oh, is man. I love that place. A really, really cool a uh, single screen yeah dingy movie palace mm-hmm. that'll show a lot of like independent cinema it really was like formative and getting me into movies both narrow and the narrow video 
which was the rental store right next to it that just oh. had an unbelievable like treasure trove of laser discs yeah. and old ass oh, VHS man. and just so much good stuff. Yo. And it smelled super weird. And yes, it was just it like did. exactly what you want a yes. rental store to be. I think the first time that I went there, I think I saw yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Weren't they doing like Rocky Horror at midnight every, every like, Sunday f- or yep, something? Every Friday or Saturday was one of those two. I remember that. People yep. would go mm-hmm. every single time yep. to the regulars. It was a, a cool fucking place. It's Absolutely. A, exactly what you would want a theater to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw it there for the first time and that definitely boosted it, you know, in my mind because it's just like, oh my God, I'm getting to see a movie based on my favorite show on this like beautiful big screen sure and uh there's that rush to it and uh we're seeing that even now like dude that dragon ball z movie that just came out made like 30 million dollars it was Mm -hmm. like number one at the box office Mm -hmm. man so Mm -hmm. i mean clearly anime fans are this large audience now and if you put a movie out in a theater they're actually going to be excited about it yeah (laughs) do you think the subtitle excuse me the um the tagline Mm. was a reference to just the ending like the fact that this is just like leading up to the final four or five episodes of the show the are you living in the real world mm-hmm. is that what you're talking about that one he yeah catches that the butterfly one. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think so i mean the movie is definitely preoccupied with the concept of are these characters dreaming are they awake really like underlining that whole theme and the theme of people being in purgatory mm-hmm. all the stuff we've been talking about in all the other cowboy bebop episodes and it's it's a little more text than subtext in the movie i gotta say they yeah. really underline it a lot but i mean i don't know i like the imagery of the butterflies as like this hallucination when nanites enter your brain that's pretty fucking rad yeah i mean i don't know i guess it's kind of interesting that vincent is the opposite of spike in that he's a character who doesn't have a past yeah and it's sort of portrayed as like the worst possible thing mm-hmm. you know that his identity was ripped away in that way so he's in this constant present purgatory which is like an even more hellish existence right that's kind of interesting but again he's so crazy that you don't really get to explore it beyond yeah. that you know yeah like comparing him to gren from yeah. uh yeah jupiter jazz, jupiter jazz. Ugh, much great. more interesting way character. more interesting character yeah i love that character yeah yeah he's really great i i really love that character Ugh. Did I tell you that after we finished talking about the, <laughs> the last, last episode, I went back and watched Jupiter Jazz like immediately? That's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Oh, that's great, dude. Hell yeah. Immediately. And it was just as good as when I saw it two months ago. I guess what I would say is just I'm grateful to the movie for not really trying to fuck with the show at mm-hmm. all. In a way, its biggest sin is that it's sort of an overlong, inconsequential adventure but in that same way, it really doesn't do any kind of damage yes, to I do agree with that. what the show already is. There are two hours of this film, and I think that that's yeah. plenty of time to explore the themes that you'd already established in previous episodes yeah. and in the ones that are, you know, to come. And all right, like they chose to not do that and kind of like tell like a, a monster of the week type story, which like fine, like it's well done. It's just sort of like... This is not the food that I was expecting to eat. These are not the ingredients that I expected to taste. It's just different, and it's okay. It's just okay. You're so right that it's it's a long monster of the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
That just made me think of, um, did you watch that HBO miniseries, The Outsider? No, I didn't. I watched the first two episodes, and it just did not hold my attention. Okay, and those are the best two episodes. Really? Okay. You you got out at the right time. Because I watched the whole thing, and it was funny. You had Ben Mendelsohn in the lead. You had Cynthia Erivo, and... uh, I mean, just a really handsomely produced, extremely well acted Mm -hmm. show. But I got to the end of it and I was like, this is an X-Files Monster of the Week Right, right. That is all that it is. And you get to the end and you're like, the X-Files told a hundred of these in 44 minutes each. And this thing is 10 hours long. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's a bit of the Cowboy Bebop movie yep, feel. Exactly. Honestly, it's a bit of an outsider. Yeah, it's the movie Cowboy Bebop. Um, do you think that it's possible to have a television show do its run, finish up, and then add a movie afterwards and actually have that movie contribute something significant to the show, be standalone, um, and kind of stand on its own two feet, and then just be, like, enjoyable? I feel like any time there's, like, a movie add-on, it just does not pan out. There are a few that are all right. right. I mean, Mm -hmm. two that jump to mind for me. I think Serenity is a pretty good continuation of and also like ending to Firefly. I think Serenity actually makes Firefly the show that much better Mm -hmm. for existing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's an amazing movie, but I think it's definitely on a par with the show and uh it definitely it enriches the show rather than detracting Mm -hmm. from it so i feel like that's that's a pretty good one and that's also a show that like got cut Cut off off really prematurely so in some ways it needed it it really did it really needed some kind of a supplement because it was yeah exactly it had this freshly amputated limb that just needed to be reattached basically yeah okay so let's so there's yeah but let's say shows that actually completed their run so okay. yeah, like, hey, well, it wasn't canceled, but then, like, let's do a movie. I mean, a lot of people would argue for this. And, you know, I think it's gotten to be a little overrated these days, but it's still very, very good, is uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, okay. Which All happened right. after the end of the Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. And it's not, like, a grand ending to the show. It's not really a continuation. It's just another standalone adventure, mm-hmm. kind of like the Cowboy Bebop movie. And, uh, you know, it comes screaming in at 80 minutes and oh, it's yeah. more of a good thing. So, you know, okay. that maybe holds up a little better. Okay. And then shit, I had, oh, well, the other one, and this is, I guess is closer to Serenity in a way, but the Evangelion movie okay, I've not seen is that. really interesting. Okay. So the Ava movie, basically what happened with that show is I think it was a combination of running out of money and running out of time and the creator just not being totally sure how he wanted to end the show. So the last two episodes of that show are basically a PowerPoint describing his philosophical ideas about the show while a character sits in a chair and is like lectured to. And people were pissed, of course. dude. How can they not? They sent fucking death threats to his studio. Ugh. Like... Yeah, not it got cool. gnarly. Not cool. It was not cool. But at the same time, there's a certain amount of... I understand the outrage. I understand sure. people being emotionally invested and freaking out when that was the ending that happened. Especially because the show was building up to a much more like grand, large-scale ending. Instead, it's like, uh, no, no, we're just going <laughs> to 
uh, have some some nice little title cards here that are explaining what might be happening, you know? And uh, yeah, so then the movie was like the super blown out, uh, large scale, high budget, visually spectacular version of the ending. And it also had this interesting new layer where it's like, the creator of the show was really fucking pissed off at the fans. And so he's like, I'm going to give you the grandiose ending you want, but it's going to be so mean. It's going to really punish you mm. for liking these characters. Mm. And Making you taste that spite. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's brutal. I, I admire it a lot. I kind of feel like the best case scenario would have been a more of a large budget ending that retained sort of the originals more sort of gentle philosophizing and sort of like it's more humanist themes because that shit got dark (laughs) in the time in between i mean the dude was getting death threats that's gonna bleed into your heart but yeah so that's that's an interesting example too i guess but i mean i don't know most live action shows that have had a movie continuation i'm not really that great many saints of newark to me is uh pretty fucking rough pretty down there what did you think of el camino that's the one i was gonna mention i thought that it was fine I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was bad, but I I thought it was fine because in some ways that story could have been, that was a story that I think could have been told. There was this sort of like, uh, sort of like unresolved ethereal kind of like sort of question mark essentially as to whatever happened to Jesse Pinkman at the end of Breaking Bad. And so I think that that's a story that was worth telling. The way in which it was told, the actual content, like, fine. Like, I didn't think it was particularly outstanding. It's not great. It wasn't terrible. But I think it was one of the... How do I say this? The diving off point, I thought, was um, justified. I'll use that word. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, and I was so satisfied with the ending exactly. of Breaking you Bad. I didn't like, really feel the need. It, yeah, you didn't need yeah. to, but I think if you were curious, like, oh, man, what happened to this guy? It was right. a good I really ending. wasn't. Yeah, I okay, liked yeah. the cathartic final scene of him driving off, and I was like, you know, as far as I know, uh, Aaron Paul just drove right into Need for Speed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you remember that, dude? Yo. When, like, shortly after the finale, they aired a trailer for Need for Speed, and it's Aaron Paul behind the, the wheel of a Mitsubishi Eclipse. He like. immediately started Tokyo drifting. He immediately <laughs> he started drifting and was like, yes, I have found my calling. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, yeah, and I mean, I guess we would be remiss not to mention, like, uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Yes. It's a little muddled by the fact that The Return exists now, right. too. But right. that's certainly, that's more along the lines of an end of Evangelion, like, mm-hmm. creator's going to come back and give you all of the bad feels, <laughs> super concentrated. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's Lynch, so, yo, of it's course. a demented masterpiece. Of course. So, Here we yeah. go. What TV shows do not need a movie? Ooh. Oh. I love um, this question. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm like, no you go first you got one in the chamber huh i don't know if it's a good answer but you keep going yeah okay okay i mean for me the one that there are rumblings every now and then oh. and i feel like everyone has decided for sure that it's not a good idea and they're not gonna do it and that makes me so happy is the shield because the shield really in my opinion still has the best ending of any TV show. Yes. I think its final episode, its final two episodes are just unbelievable. And they stuck the landing so hard. And so I've heard rumblings every now and then about, oh, is there going to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie? Or is there, now they're saying more like, is there going to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. limited series continuation? And pretty much every time it comes up, I think Sean Ryan 
basically like nips it in the bud. Good. So good. That I'm very pleased about. That show does not need a continuation. Mm-hmm. It is good, mm-hmm. like it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That How about is you, Fraser? I gotta be honest, man. It's one of those shows where I'm like, couldn't they have done just a few more seasons? You know, they like cut it off so prematurely, dude. Only eleven seasons of thirty episodes oh apiece. We could have got a little oh more. Boy. Okay, so here's a show where I think that <laughs> don't you want to see Jane leaves again? No, no, I don't. No, I don't. I mean, John Mahoney sends his regrets, I guess, from beyond <laughs> from the grave. Beyond the gra- Okay, you know what show I think is going to have a movie, and then which one? I, yeah, mm. there are two shows I think are going to have movies, potentially. Yeah. One, okay. I could see It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia putting together a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could I, see I that. I could, too. Yeah. And, and, like, why not? Why not? Like, I don't think it would it would not hurt the show whatsoever. Yeah. And then the other one, oh, boy. <laughs> Law and Order SVU. <laughs> and, again, I would love that, too. Ice tea coming back, you know. Oh man, we got one more story to Dude, tell. Dude, Maloney is already back. He's already back on the show, That's amazing. and it's amazing. He couldn't stay. He away. could not. They just pulled him back in, son. Oh. Dude, I don't watch that show at all, but I still just love Ice Tea. Anytime I see him on screen, right? I'm just like. Man, right? Yeah, he's just, just there get, showing get that bag, yes, dude. Just, I, absolutely. Oh, he's just there saying his lines, being <laughs> yeah. sassy, and then just like, all right, he's done. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> I love that he's also somehow found a lane where he can be in a show that my mom would watch, <laughs> and yet he somehow has still managed to maintain some semblance of his edge. He really know? has. It's great. He really it's has. like. He did not compromise his image even as he sold it to middle America. It's so it's like, strange. That is a rare thing, man. It's like him and Lady Gaga. They're yeah. the only two who have managed that. I think so. And I think he's done it. I think Ice Cube tried. And I don't think that it worked. Where oh, it no. Just Ice did... Cube went hard into like the family-friendly yeah, entertainment. it did not work at all. And it's like at that point, you cannot no. go back to like America's most wanted. <laughs> no. No. And then I think like. <laughs> Do you like how I pronounce that? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think, and the funny thing is, like, I've seen Ice T. Okay, there's one other person who has done this, and that's Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Snoop has done that. I mean, I don't know. Snoop's image at this point is pretty amorphous, you know? I feel like I agree. He, it's, he's kind of like Mickey Mouse in that it's like, wait, Mickey Mouse used to be funny? Yep. Mickey Mouse used to have a character? Mm-hmm. He wasn't just here to sell us things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of where I feel. Although, I mean, I will say, Snoop Dogg definitely seems like he is living his absolute his best, best life. life on a absolute. beach all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I mean, okay, but just to like roll back to Ice-T just for a moment. I mean, yeah. yes, this guy is using his image. I'll also say this. No matter what it is that he is doing, like you said, still retaining that little bit of that edge, I'm almost certain that I saw him in a commercial for Mm -hmm. some type of product or service specifically aimed at the elder community, like the community that is aging out, the people who are preparing for retirement. And I still think this guy is hard as fuck. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely, yeah. And you know... I'll just leave it with this. If you want to go back and look at Ice-T when he was raw, when he was coming up, when he was hungry, you can see him in the film Break Into Electric Boogaloo, (laughs) in which he is dressed like Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat, and he is 
cutting up LPs with a straight razor, and he is credited as a rap talker in that movie. Yes. Do you remember when we first saw that? And we were like, oh my god, that's Ice-T? We were shocked. We were scandalized. I was never the same after that. So if anything, he's gained integrity. Yes, he's gone along, which is wild. Impressively done. Impressively, like, rewriting your narrative there to where you were always hard. I mean, I think we just have to admit it. Ice-T is America's uncle. He is. He really Mm -hmm. is. Yep. It's him and Tom Hanks at that barbecue not being awkward at all around each other. I can just see those two having a great time. Wait, do you think Tom Hanks gets invited to the barbecue? He's America's dad. He's got to be there. I mean, mm, (laughs) that's the problem. (laughs) You got America's dad and America's uncle now. And then you got Vin Diesel showing up as no, like he is not invited to the he is America's no, kind of no. asexual black sheep no, son. He is not. A, I mean, he's bringing the coronas. He is not invited to the cookout. I'm sorry, not invited. <laughs> he's not invited. No, he's Dude, not invited to the cookout. This guy throws a cookout like no one else you've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, but like no, he, no. He gets those coronas popping, and I mean everybody's having a great. time. I mean, time. he can drop him off and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> he's in charge of carpooling. That's, That's it. it. He's going to Uber people there and back. <laughs> Dude, his barbecues are so good, he brings people back from the grave. Okay. Oh. Paul Walker showed up back back from the dead just to drink a Corona in this dude's backyard, man. That's the power of his, his shindigs. <sighs> oh, no. No. Anyway. All right. I digress. <laughs> so... Yes, yes, we have digressed. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't have a name that episode this week. I got to get back to work. Phil's got to get back to whatever he's been doing, smoking fat blunts, beating people up in the street. Yo, 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 keep my leisure activities <laughs> off the airwaves, my guy. <laughs> don't talk about my fight club that I'm starting. It's not a fight club if you invite people to it while they're walking by you, man. It's not a club if they choose to not participate. Right? I love that. I was like, he's an innovator. He's he's figured out a whole new angle on this. This is great. Excellent. Yep. Any yeah. final thoughts on this movie? <laughs> no, I think we're good. I think we got it. And uh, yeah, I'll just say thank you all for listening. <laughs> we hope you will like, review, subscribe, do all of that bullshit. Actually, drop us a review. If you're still listening and you have the ability to drop us a review on iTunes, it really helps. Yeah, it does. Also, shout out to the person who gave us a review on iTunes and said that eventually one day I was going to throw Alex into a ditch or a hole. <laughs> I know who that was. And it's also true. It's just an accurate statement. It is. <laughs> I think anyone listening to this show would come to that conclusion very quickly, <laughs> actually. But yeah, and uh, you could also hit us up on our Instagram, at GoatSeasonPod. I also want to thank Josh Sullivan for our intro music, Battlequake for our outro, and we will... Oh, and Janice O'Leary for That's our right. artwork. That's right. Thanks, Janice. And we will see you next Peace. week. Peace.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.